0: well good morning and happy Easter happy Resurrection Sunday um, it's such an exciting day for us as believers as we celebrate uh, you know the the amazing resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you know today might feel different um, it might seem different we're meeting, probably in a bunch of different locations. We are, you know, not necessarily uh, maybe in the position where we had wanted to be last Easter. Some of you in Ontario, you know, you guys are still uh, in lockdown. I have escaped uh, spending some time with our Buffalo side of the family. But I wanted to say this morning that even though it feels different, we're still celebrating the same thing that we've been celebrating for the last 2,000 years, and that is that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is not there, that he has been risen from the dead. And that's the best news that we can share this morning, is that we serve a risen, alive, loving Savior. And, you know, so I want to spend a little bit of time this morning, you know, typically, uh, you know, Easter is... Uh, Usually one of the light messages that you try to preach every year, you know, there's typically more people. Some of you have probably invited people, sent this link out for some people to watch. Um, But, you know, this morning I I wanted to take some time and maybe get a little bit real with us. Uh, You know, for the majority of us, you know, we've been in, you know, some sort of lockdown, quarantine, you know, challenging life over the last, you know, over a year now. And, and I wrote this message really with a heart for those of you, those of us, I could say, I guess, who are feeling tired, who, you know, are feeling maybe that your life is just a little bit out of control, that, you know, maybe you find yourself, you're just on edge and, you know, you, you're, you're constantly just popping off at the smallest things because everything in life feels so out of control. You know, maybe you're finding yourself feeling tired of the uncertainty. Maybe you are worrying about you know the new COVID variants that are out there as we begin to hear the news about all these different things. Maybe you know you're locked up in your house you know yet again for the third time and counting. Maybe you're anxious about your job. Maybe you're anxious about the economy. Maybe you're nervous and you don't know whether or not to get the vaccine or not or you're nervous about is there going to be a vaccine passport and And I wanted to take some time this morning as we celebrate the amazing power of God to talk a little bit about when life can feel out of control. So Heavenly Father, this morning as we spend this time in your word and as we celebrate the amazing goodness, as we celebrate your resurrection, as we celebrate your power, as we celebrate the love that you have for us, that you are not still in the tomb, but you are risen, you're alive. The tomb is empty, and this morning we celebrate. As this morning, as we dig into some, maybe some real stuff, maybe as we get a little bit honest about what's going on in our lives, I'm asking, Father, for your presence to rest heavily on us, that we wouldn't just hear the word, but That as we hear it, it changes us. It gives us hope again to to press on to live tomorrow. We thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. I want to spend some time this morning uh, in Matthew chapter 26. And this is a fairly significant uh, scripture. It's a very fairly significant moment. And that is that this is the night before the crucifixion of Jesus. and you know, the setting is is that Jesus is at a, a dinner party, essentially celebrating Passover uh, with his disciples. And he's kind of having this like last supper. And, you know, Jesus and his disciples, we have to think about this, like, you know, Jesus is hanging out with his, you know, BFFs. And these are the guys that he's been around for the last three years, day in and day out, who've witnessed all the amazing things that Jesus had done and you know Jesus is sitting there and you know I'm sure everybody's celebrating partying and doing all the great stuff as they're just you know having a good old dinner party and Jesus is in a bit of a different position and that Jesus knows what he is about to endure he's sitting at this table and you know people are talking and laughing and you know, I think about the fact that he's sitting with Judas and, you know, they're eating dinner together and, you know, as he's, you know, f- f- spending this time knowing that Judas is going to be the one to betray him. And, you know, he gives this, you know, famous speech talking about, you know, this bread is a representation of my body that will be broken for you. And this cup of wine is is, is the blood of this new covenant that you're going to live in me that when you drink it, that that it will bring you life and you're to do it in remembrance of me. And and I'm imagining the disciples, you know, because they've had dinner with Jesus for the last three years. They're wondering, like, you know, what's the deal here, Jesus? Why are you acting so strange talking about, you know, eating your body and drinking your blood? And, you know, then we exit this scene and and we go over to, to this moment where Jesus brings the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Gethsemane actually means crushing and he gives them this instruction. He says to them, sit here while I, while I go and, and sit here and pray when I go into the garden and pray. And we pick up in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. And he says this, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. That Jesus is... He he understands what's going on and he's so filled with the intensity and the complexity of this emotion that it literally feels like it's going to bring him, this intensity is going to bring him to the place of death. Verse 39 says, going a little further, he fell with his face down on the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me yet not as I will, but as you will. If it's possible, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then verse 40 says he returns to his disciples and he finds them sleeping. And I can just imagine Jesus, you know, getting back there. and You know, at this point, there's a good possibility. He's like sweating blood and, you know, and he's like, guys, I like literally gave you one job. You know, like I'm out here sweating blood, interceding, praying because of what's about to happen, and you guys can't even find it in you to stay awake. And you know, in their defense, you know, I, I could say that it's definitely hard to stay awake. I've I've done a few 24-hour prayers, and like I gotta tell you, I am super spiritual. You know, until around 2 a.m., at which point, you know, this fleshly part of me comes alive and, and I just feel the need to, you know, meditate with my eyes closed in, in, in deep, you know, spiritual slumber. And, you know, as I, I read through this passage of Scripture, you know, one of the things that I find very interesting is that, you know, Jesus, he could, he could raise the dead. Jesus could heal the sick. Jesus could cast out demons Jesus could calm a storm, but yet in this moment, we see that Jesus can't control the disciples. And I wonder this morning, do you like to be in control? And if the answer is yes, which as North Americans, the majority of us would say, yes, this is can be an insanely frustrating season that we're living in. I mean, I've talked to so many people who who and I probably have said this myself. I feel like I'm just losing my mind at the fact that this still isn't over. You know, maybe there's some of you that are watching right now and you're like, well, you know, that's not me. I'm I'm not controlling. I'm just, you know, aggressively helpful. You know, I'm just thoroughly organized, but I got news to tell you. You are so controlling. You make coffee nervous. You know, with COVID-19 happening, it's just been crazy with all the issues and challenges and just seems like it's not going away. And, you know, there's so many of us who are being challenged in so many areas and, you know, fear of getting sick and fear of the economy. And some of us are, are, are grieving intensely. You know, maybe some of you have lost someone that you love and you're grieving because of it. But I think that there's one unifying factor that is challenging us all is that the majority of us are grieving our loss of control. You know, we spend so long, you know, you can't go to movies and, you know, you can barely go to the grocery store. And, you know, for so many of us, you know, school is open and closed and closed and opened and, You know, the majority of us are, you know, still trying to figure out if we're ever going to get to go to a sports game again. Maybe you've been trying to plan a wedding like Joe and Rachel for who knows how long now, waiting for things to open up. You know, you're thinking about that getaway that you had planned that you wanted to go on only to realize that now if you go on a getaway, you got to come back and quarantine in a hotel. Maybe you want to have a dinner party, but people are just so nervous about can we be close can we be together you know maybe you had a haircut booked and and you were getting ready and so excited to finally get your haircut cut only to find out that hair salons are closed again you know we're grieving that loss of control in our life and i actually like the way that a a ucla researcher put it because i think it's so fitting for us is is the majority of us feel that we're grieving the loss of control but really we live life with just the illusion of control And, and this is what she said this researcher she said that that the illusion of control is a cognitive bias that leads us to believe that we have control over the outcome of situations when in reality we really don't isn't that so true that so often We can overestimate the degree of control that we have in the midst of uncontrollable events. And and here's the problem is that, you know, we try to control these uncontrollable events, but the more that we try to control, the more that we find ourselves being afraid of losing control. But then the more that we're afraid, the more that we try to control. And then the more that we try to control, we realize we're afraid that we're going to lose more control. And then we live in this cycle of stress and anxiety because we're trying to control things that we just can't control. And we see this in the story of Jesus that, you know, honestly, if there was any, if there was ever a moment in Jesus's life, where all the power that resided on the inside of him could have taken control of a situation, this was that moment. But instead, we see that Jesus doesn't seek control. But instead, he prays these ama- amazing, powerful, heartfelt words of surrender. He says this in Matthew chapter twenty-six, forty-two, verse forty-two. It says this, and he, Jesus, went away a second time, right? Because, you know, sometimes it just doesn't stick. Sometimes we release the control, and then in a few moments later, we try to take that control back, and so we got to go back a second time. It says this, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He says it like this, if, if it can, if it's not possible, if there's any other way, yet what I want is your will more than mine. Can I tell you something to, to all my fellow control freaks that we don't always have the power to surrender, but we do always, we, we don't always have the power to control. But we always have the power to surrender. And I think this is the thing so often that that, that we can ask ourselves as believers. And and honestly, we hear this so much in the world as well. You know, it's like, where is God when life doesn't go the way that we want it to go? You ever found yourself asking those questions that... You know, you got a lot riding on something. You know, you you really have high expectations for something. You know, maybe you're like me and I've told the story before when, you know, I'm, I'm 16 years old and, and I'm getting ready to get my license only to find out that, you know, the, the MTO has gone on strike. And, you know, I can remember praying and interceding in my bed at night, getting so hyped up. And I ran in my parents' room and I was like, the MTO is gonna open tomorrow only to find out that they were still on strike. And I'm pretty sure they went on strike for another eight months after that moment. And so often we can find ourselves being like, God, where are you when our life doesn't go the way we want it to go, right? It's like dealing with COVID-19 right now, you know, like, you know, you're hearing some people that, you know, God caused it and it's God's judgment. So does, did he cause it is, is he is he allowing it is he somehow allowing it to use it or maybe he didn't allow it and is, is he going to use it and and i think that we're all stuck in this moment of feeling like where is he when life gets so hard and you know it's really interesting is that there, w- there was research that was done on the younger generation's belief about god and you know this is challenging for me in a number of different ways because I'm now at the age when we talk about the younger generation I no longer mean myself so I mean like people who are 30 and younger uh, they, they kind of pulled and did a little bit of research on this group of people and, and and really to kind of like search out like what is the kind of the default religion if you will of the younger generation like like what are people really believing w- where religion is concerned and and, and, and they called it MTD. And, and MTD is Moralistic Therapeutic Deism. MTD, Moralistic th- Therapeutic Deism. And, and, and this is what people, young people, generally believe about religion or about God or, or the higher power out there. And, and what it means is, is that moralistic essentially equates religion with being, you know, a good moral person that you know that that in order to be religious it means that you're just generally like a nice person and and therapeutic what it does is it it, it essentially means that that faith is is a vehicle or it's a means in order to improve your life that that if you are going to be a part of a religion or you're going to be a part of a church or or you're going to believe in a higher power that that religion that almost the sole purpose of that religion is to make your life better and and deism is is talking to us about you know like that 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 god is real that there is a god out there there is a being that's out there but he's relatively uninvolved unless you know you like really 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 need him and and so to kind of bring this into like modern vernacular is that is that people now generally believe that, that you know there is a mostly uninvolved God out there and, and he exists simply to make our lives better. And and this is really awesome. And and it, 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 it's really easy to preach, it's really easy to live, and, and and oftentimes you know I can feel that way, that you know, my faith in God. The, you know the purpose of it is that it's supposed to make my life you know happier, healthier, more comfortable. You know that you know because I believe in God and his principles that I'm just generally going to live this trouble-free existence that everything is going to go my way and when the sun's going to shine on everything that happens in my life and and, and but here's the problem is is that if God and the function of God, the purpose of God, the purpose of religion, if you will, is to make me happy and I'm not happy, then I'm kind of left with there's one of two options here. That that either God failed, that God isn't who he said he was, that he isn't who he promised that he would be, or that there's something that's generally wrong with me. And I'm, I'm sure that some of you have felt this way. I know I have felt this way. I know that there's so many people out there. Maybe you're watching and you tuned in maybe accidentally and you're like, yeah, you know what? I felt that way. And, and honestly, this is the very thing that has led so many people to the place where you know, you've heard people say, you know, like, oh, I tried religion. You know, I, I tried the church thing. I, I tried prayer. It, it, and it just, you know, it just didn't work for me. It didn't turn out. It didn't go the way that I thought it was supposed to go. You know, I, I tried to follow after Jesus, but my life was still so hard. And this is the thing is that if we think that, that life is meant to be easy and it isn't, this is the very conundrum in our life that leads us to incessantly desire to control. You know, we find ourselves asking questions because we don't understand this concept of why is it hard. I find myself asking these questions like, you know, if, what, if I, what if I surrender to God's will and, and, and I have to be single for five more years? You know, what if I surrender to God's will and I, and I, and I start to tithe or I start to give and, and I start to find myself getting a little short on money? What if I surrender to God and he doesn't heal my migraines? What if I surrender to God and not only does my marriage not get better, but it actually starts to get worse, right? Maybe you're asking yourself this question like, like, what if lockdown doesn't end, right? Like, like, what if we go through another summer in a lockdown? And, and what if the economy, you know, just continues to get worse? What if the unemployment rate just keeps getting higher? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my business? And we see this, right? What if I follow after Jesus? You know, I, I pray for God's perfect will in my life. And my life is still hard. And can I tell you something that I've discovered in Scripture? Is that God's will is is rarely easy. But it is always good. Right, Like surrendering to God and, and following after God's principles. Like Jesus, as he kneels in the Garden of Gethsemane, Listen, maybe you're doing some things right now and, and you're feeling like following after God. Oh, it's just so hard. It's, it's so hard to hold on and you just don't feel good in this moment. But can I tell you something? The beauty of why we follow after God is that yes, it may not be easy. Yes, can I tell you it may not feel good right now, but God's promise is is that he turns all things out for our good. But it's rarely easy. I mean, if it, if, it, if it was supposed to be easy for anybody, I would assume that it would have been easy for Jesus. And it wasn't. And, you know, it certainly wasn't easy for for Jesus's mom, Mary, you know, come back in at Christmas time this year and we'll tell you a little bit about Mary. But, you know, Mary has a very similar experience to Jesus. And and then an angel shows up to her and says, you know, you're blessed among women. You're going to be the one to carry the Messiah, the Son of God, the Deliverer. You know, and Mary in the midst of this moment, you know, doesn't know. I don't know if I can do it. But then she says, what? May it be done to me according to your will. And I mean, Mary was a success. I mean, as a mom, she was a success. Like, like, think about this. Mary raised a perfect child, okay? Like, that's some really amazing parenting. Like, she did an absolutely, you know, banging job raising Jesus. And, and what was her reward? She watches her son die. A horrific, gruesome death. You know, in Jesus, he prays, you know, if it's your will, if there's any other way, and we meet him in this moment at the cross, because God's will is rarely easy, but it is always good. And so we meet Jesus in this moment, you know, as he's walking through this passion sequence on the cross and you know he's been betrayed by his best friends he's been abandoned he's been arrested he's been he's been beaten you know they say that that the roman guards would wear like these big signet rings and and just gaudy jewelry and so that when they would punch you it just like absolutely mangled your face and so he's he's being beaten he's he's chained to a post and and whipped to the place of, of essentially death absolute unrecognizability doesn't even look like a human being anymore and you know then they make him carry a cross and his state up to the place where he would eventually have spikes driven through his hands and his feet and you know he's he's shamed and cursed and he hangs naked there on a tree. And can I tell you something? The scripture says that, that he could have taken control, right? Like the Bible says he could have called down legions of angels to come and just destroy everyone and, and just do away with these wicked, evil people. who be, Like, don't they know that he's the son of God? But instead of taking control, We see him pray this prayer. He says, what? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. For they don't know. Don't charge this to their account because they don't even know what they're doing. He prays a prayer of surrender. He says, you know, it's finished. Everything I was supposed to do and accomplish is finished. And then he Praise the prayer of ultimate surrender. As he prays the prayer, you know, into your hands I release my spirit. So scripture says that the earth shook and the sky blackened. That the veil that for centuries had separated man from God was ripped and the disciples, they don't know what to do anymore because how is he dead? They scatter. Because God's will isn't always easy, but then we see the miraculous Good plan of God that on the third day we see that, that as they, the women rush to the tomb and they run there and they see that the stone that is unrollable has been rolled away and, and they realize and proclaim that God is showing to us that His plan is always good, that His plan always leads to amazing life, that yes, you know what? It might not be easy. But his plan is always good because on the third day, Jesus raises from the dead that he's seated now at the right hand of God. He establishes for us a place in God and and he lives in this place of eternal reward. But God's plan isn't always easy, but it's always good. You see, we don't always have the power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. So on this Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to ask you maybe a funny question. What are you trying to control that you need to surrender? Is it maybe a toxic relationship that you're in that you know God is asking you to, you know, pursue something else? Is it, you know, fear of your health? Is it fear about finances fear about the future about what's going to happen is it you know fear about whether you're going to have a job or not is it you know maybe it's fear about your children and what's going to happen in the world that your children are going to be raised in because i've realized something is that there's no such thing as partial surrender you know i wish there was but like you know i wish it could be like you know like I am, you know, I'm eighty three point seven percent surrendered to Jesus. and so it's like, you know that's that that's that's good, you know like Jesus, like I will uh, oh man, I will totally trust you with some of the things in my life. but listen, there's just some things that are off limits. like don't ask me for these things. I'll give you some, but i I, I just can't give you. You know, like, like, I will trust you. Oh, Jesus, I will trust you to save me and save my soul. But listen, I can't stop worrying about my kids. I can't trust you with my kids. I need to, I need to worry about them and control them. You know, like, I will trust you. Yes, Jesus, to get me to heaven. But I can't trust you with my job. I I can't trust you with my health. I I, I, I can't trust you with my loved ones. and. And, and we see that the, really the key to this place of total surrender. We see it found in these two words that Jesus prays. He prays it like this. He prays it if and yet. If and yet. He says like this in verse 39. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. You know, if it's possible to do this any other way, like I choose that way. But then he says this, yet, not as I will. It's not what I want. I want it to go another way. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Can I tell you what I have learned over the years is that real faith starts between the if and the yet. And our challenge is really is that everything in our culture invites us to, to live, you know, contrary to the gospel. But right? like, you know, it, it's it's responsible to live contrary to the gospel. You know, like, you know, you, you need to take charge of your life and you know, you need to, to control your destiny. You are like, you know, you need to make sure that this thing's happen. And, you know, and Jesus addresses this concept in Matthew 10, 39. He says this, he says, if you cling to your life, what if you try to control your life? If you try to, to if you try to make everything happen for yourself, Jesus says you'll lose it. But if you give your life up for me, if you surrender, if you lay it down, if you trust me, if if you trust me in the good times and you trust me in the challenging times, if you trust me when it seems right and you trust me when it seems wrong. He says this, what? If you give up your life for me, you'll find it. This is what Jesus is saying. He's telling us that to follow Jesus, it literally... Is a decision to surrender our control to Him. You know, I had this opportunity last year, and you know, last summer I, I told this testimony before, so I'm not going to get into it again. But you know, my wife Danielle, you know, it was you know summertime, and you know, she was just feeling really sick, and she was seeing doctors, and she was on some antibiotics, and you know, wasn't going away, and. You know, one late one Sunday night, she decides to go into the hospital. She just felt like it was the right thing to do. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, as I can sometimes do, you know, she's, you know, probably overreacting. They're probably going to just like, you know, give her some stuff and then she's going to be home. You know, I I even stayed up late that night waiting for her to come home. And, you know, I've told the story before, but... But eventually she's admitted and you know she's sick, she spikes a fever, she's got a crazy kidney infection, find out the next day that she's gone septic and she's got infection just flowing through her body. She's she's racked with pain. They they don't know when she's gonna get to come home. And and you know, I'm sitting down in my chair as I'm hearing bad news after bad news after bad news, and and, and in my brain, you know, the thoughts are like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna have to raise Lola alone and, and what am I gonna do? to do and you know my wife is you know she's not going to come home and, and I can't see her because the border is closed and so she's there and I'm here and we can barely talk and, and 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 I found myself in this place where you know I'd never had this before but I'm I'm having like anxiety attacks and you know I'm finding myself you know having shortness of breath and and at night you know I can't sleep But during the day I can't stay awake and I finally get to this place where like my brain literally just shuts down from all the stress and all the pressure because I found myself trying to control things that were beyond my control. You know, I'm stressing and I'm panicking and I'm nervous and I don't know what to do and I'm fearful and... And finally, I just decided that I'm going to give myself an assignment that I'm, you know, I'm actually going to put into practice all the things that we've talked about and learned about. And, you know, I decided this very simple thing that I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do those things because there's some things right now that I could do to make this situation better. But then everything that I can't do, I'm going to surrender those things Jesus, This is why he tells us to cast our cares on him. That's why he says, can worrying about your life add even a single inch to your stature? But can I tell you, I've learned something and learned it as we really walked this journey out as a family last year for the better part of six months is you know, on those moments, I I definitely made a decision to surrender, but surrender isn't a one-time event. Surrender is something that we choose daily. You know, can I tell you something that I discovered in my own season of brokenness is that God can do more with your surrender than you can do with your control. Because here's the truth, you don't always have the power to control everything that happens in your life. Life's going to throw you curveballs, and Jesus tells us, like, listen, in this life, in this world, you are going to have troubles, and you don't always have the power to control those troubles, but you always have the power to surrender to Him. You know, I know that right now there's people who are watching this and there are things that are happening in your life. You've gone through a year of challenge, troubles, uncertainties on top of the already maybe challenging life that you've lived and you feel this deep aching anxiety or worry. Just that feeling of life is so out of control. You know, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you, you know, your investments just disappeared. Maybe, you know, you're, you're finding yourself in some really severe relationship troubles. Maybe there's sickness in your body. Maybe a family member or a loved one is really sick right now. And, you know, you were like me a few months back, you know, stressed out, stressed to the max, trying to control the very things that are uncontrollable. And then this morning, right, we, we look at, the, at Jesus. We look at the perfect lamb of God, you know, betrayed and, and beaten, bruised, bloodied, and then buried. And we have a decision to make. Am I going to continue to try to control the things that can't be controlled? Or am I going to choose to surrender those things to him? And say, you know, maybe I don't, I don't understand. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. But what I do know, Father, is that you are always good. Let me tell you, church, God's will is rarely easy. The mission he's given to us and the mission he's given to your family, the mission he's given to our church family is Rarely easy. But can I tell you, like in Jesus's life, it is always good. This is where I'm going to invite you right now. Maybe you could pause me or wherever you're sitting. If you're in one of our locations, they're going to pass out the communion cups. And, and this is really what communion is all about. It's about realizing, well, there are times when I don't have control. I can surrender because I trust in the one who is in control. That as we take the cup and as we take the bread, it's, it's a remembrance to us of what Jesus did on the cross, that he did away with death, hell, the grave, curses, sickness, poverty, he eradicated all those things in our life. And because of that, I can choose to trust and surrender to the perfect will of God. And as I hold these elements in my hands, that I would remember this, that I don't always have the power to control. But as I look at this and I remember, like your word says, if, If you would put Jesus on the cross, what would you not do for me? I don't always have the power to control, but I always have the power to surrender. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for every man, woman, child, every person under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, as we take a moment, as we sit with these elements, as we sit in remembrance, of everything that you have done for us. Lord, let the, the reality of the truth of who you are rest heavily in us and on us. That as we bring to mind all the areas of our life where we feel as though we don't have control, as we look at these elements, Father, may it be a reminder That we can surrender to you because your will is always good. I want to take a minute and maybe you are finding yourself on this stream and and you're feeling you know like all of us are feeling probably slightly to varying degrees generally out of control and and maybe you didn't know that you could be in relationship with this Jesus who who we can surrender to, who we can cast our cares on, and we can go through challenging situations hopeful because we know that His will is always good. And you're like, I need this, Jesus. The Bible tells us very simply, we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, sent from heaven to die for our sins, to take our place, that we would be saved, we would enter into a relationship with this Jesus. Someone I'm going to invite us to do this as a church family. For anybody who's new out there watching, I'm just going to invite you in your homes, in someone else's home, in your car, in a church, anywhere. I'm going to invite us all to pray this prayer after us as we make this profession of belief and trust in Jesus. Let's pray this after me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God sent from heaven to be the savior of this world. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. And I declare you are my savior and you are my Lord. Fill me, cleanse me, lead me and guide me as I daily choose to surrender to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.